Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio, where conversations save lives. This is episode 125. My name is Jeff. I'll be your host tonight with me, DW, the king of dad jokes. How you doing, man? I'm uh, dead jokes. Dad jokes. Dad jokes. Dad yeah. jokes. I dad thought jokes. you you said bad jokes, and I'm thinking I've never said a bad joke in my life that I know of. Uh, <laughs> I would beg to differ. Never, never. Now, <laughs> if I said a joke, Jason, it's because I think it's funny. Well, that doesn't justify. So, it as if a joke. you don't think it's funny, there's only a couple options here. Number one. It wasn't funny. I don't get it. Number two, you don't get it. And I know where I'm landing on that one. So if you tell a joke, <laughs> so you're telling me you've told jokes before that you don't get it. Yeah. It, well, no, that, that others don't get. And I just think, well, that's too bad. <laughs> it stinks to be you. I mean, you don't get my humor. Let me ask you this. Do you ever notice that, that when you tell jokes that people just tend to maybe like roll their eyes as you're, as you're telling your joke? Have you ever noticed the that? The rolling of the eyes is a laughter in a way. Oh, okay, okay. Honesty hurts sometimes. Yes, no, the rolling of the eyes. It's, you know, the rolling of the eyes is just the, I don't even know if I could get in trouble for this. Oh, boy, here it it's comes. It's the feminization of a laugh. You know what I mean? It's nice weather we're having. <laughs> you guys don't want to touch that one, do you? No, I have been married a while, and I'm not making fun of anyone or getting mad at anyone. It's just I, I know what happens when a wife rolls her eyes at her husband. Yeah. So that's my comment. That Take it in context. It's, it's not a bad thing. I've seen a few eye rolls, just a few, in my life. Yeah, all right. But when I see a guy do an eye roll, I don't know. <laughs> what is that? I'm mean? not. I'm not feeling good about it. Okay. Yeah. You know what? We should get onto another topic before Jason gets in trouble. Yeah, before Jason, of course. That's always the way it goes. It's always my fault. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, tonight we are going to talk about uh, parenthood and some some things happen in our world today that we kind of look at this culture and we think, why do those things happen? Uh, I've heard over and over, and sometimes the conversation happens among youth workers, that we don't understand how this generation thinks or the choices that they make. I mean, we look at our culture today and I think, you know, not only are kids looking younger and younger, even though their grade says they're like a senior in high school and you're like, you still look like a kid. You're still making kid choices. And I'm not sure why you do those things. And I hear this, we hear this over and over. And we're like, how do we how do we help raise up this next generation? How do we do that more effectively? Can we at all influence this generation? Because it seems like, you know, kids aren't coming to church much anymore these days. Some kids are very involved in different ways, but some of the old traditions, some of the things that even 
I used to do as a kid. You kind of see screens taking over and different problems that are arising because we have such a social media age. So a lot of other problems that our young generation is facing today, I didn't really deal with, and I'm not that far removed. We're going to talk kind of about where this comes from. Uh, there's a book that we're going to use tonight that if you want to go and check it out, it is called The Epidemic, Raising Secure, Loving, Happy, and Responsible Children in an Era of Absentee and Permissive Parenting. And so we're going to talk about kind of this life, what parents have to do with their kids. And obviously we know that's a, a big topic. Dave, I know you have a lot of thoughts about this just off the bat. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening in our culture today. And we've talked a lot about these things on some of our shows. What are your initial thoughts just as we look at our generation today? You, you know, as you were talking, I, I began thinking about, okay, you look at a generation and they're acting a certain way. Why are they acting a certain way? Regardless of the way it is. It, Basically, it's because they're sheep. They're following somebody. Mm. People always follow somebody. So when we look at children today and we say, look at the mess they're in, what we should say is, look at the mess I've demonstrated them to live in. And they're accepting what I have demonstrated. Yeah. And, and if we want it changed, we need to change us. And that's really the issue that nobody wants to talk about. We want to change people by educating them and telling them about something that we don't believe in. In other words, it's, yeah, how many kids grew up? I grew up and I was a child of the 60s, so born in the 50s, so 60s is my era where you, you think things through. And in the 60s, people did all kinds of garbage, and then they seem to be proud of it. I mean, they're going, look what we did, look what we did, you know. And then they tell their kids, don't ever do that. And they look at them, you did that, yeah. And then they don't have anything to say. Exactly. Hmm. I mean, the, the bottom line is, we are people that need to demonstrate how to live and not talk about how to live. And if we're not going to demonstrate how to live, we're going to find that the people that are following us are going to still follow us regardless of what we say. And that's what parents need to see. Some might say, well, I have this you know, perfect life and he should follow it. Well, I doubt you have a perfect life. And, and the bottom line really is it's not just parents that kids are following. There's other avenues for them to follow. I mean, they're following parents. They're following school friends. They're following video games they're following you know superheroes they're following whatever mm -hmm. but they're following and and that following is what creates culture so if you want to change culture you have to change following does mm -hmm. that make sense mm -hmm. wow that's powerful well and that's that's part of our problem is that we don't want to take that kind of responsibility yeah. But that is the responsibility that's given to us. I mean, even as Christians, it, the, the thing that designates us as Christians is what? Love. Love, and that means following mm -hmm. God. So, so the thing that makes Dave Wager unique isn't that I do things differently than everybody else. It's that I've chosen to follow Christ. And in the early church, they were called Christ followers. See, that's, that's what they've done. Why? Do, do you know what kind of craziness was in the early church? I mean, do you know what kind of craziness was in temples that they had of other gods? And, uh, I, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. I'm going through for the men's retreat that I'm, I'm going to be speaking at. I'm going to go through the churches in the book of Revelation and try and make it simple and say, here's the general things that are going on in that culture and, and what's being talked about here. And it's, it's really fascinating. But part of it is just looking at what's going on in the culture and who they worshipped and who, who the influences of the day. Mm. And what was happening is that the people were following the, the culture and following the way things were going 
and they were not following God. And each time God was saying, look out, this is not going to end well. You need to repent. In other words, you need to say, I'm following the wrong group. So as an older guy, whenever I see a problem that exists, the first line that I have to think about is, what will I do different to live differently to demonstrate how to go through this? Hmm. Instead of, what do I have to talk about to help them go through it? No, it's, can I use my life as an example? Can I live in a separate way? Because honestly, you know, you guys grew up in a generation that watched a lot of television. Lots of it. Yeah. And now lots of movies, lots of video games. I mean, lots of it. How did that affect the generation? And, and why are they watching so much? Why is it that people are watching so much? Is it because people aren't around to do stuff with and that we're getting lazy relationally and that we depend on somebody else to entertain us and keep us just busy and kind of wasted moments between our birth and our death? I mean, is that what's going on? Mm. It, it, when parents come home and they turn on the television, they watch it till they go to sleep and they don't say a word to the kids or anybody else except for, you know, I need some popcorn or something. And what we need to uncover is if we want a, a generation of young people, and even young people that are listening, if you want the next generation to be people who love God, work hard, have values, and, and have in their life ethics that they should have, then you need to do that yourself. Hmm. And, and in that, provide a, an opportunity for them to observe how it's done. And that would be the word holy or unique or different in the Bible. Tonight we're going to talk from a parenting perspective. All three of us here on the show, we are all dads. And we, number one, we don't have it all together. We do want to be the best dads for our kids. And all three of us, well, I would say Jason and I are probably a little bit more in the same season. And Dave is a little bit further on in the season of parenting than we are. And so we're just going to talk about this. We don't have it all together. We don't have it all figured out. But if you're a parent and if you're a kid, you'll want to listen to the show because I think there are some things that will help us understand one another better in this show. So some things just to talk about and to have an open, honest conversation about. Join us tonight on the tweet back as you're listening to the show. Be a part of our conversation on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. And this conversation is just getting started here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Chat with one of our live coaches anytime at hopenet360.com. Glad you've joined us on the show. Jeff, DW, Jason, hanging out with you guys tonight here on the show. And we're going to have an open, honest conversation. This is going to be a multi-part series. This book we're going to talk about tonight, it's called The Epidemic, Raising Secure, Loving, Happy, and Responsible Children in an Era of Absentee and Permissive Parenting. Great book. It was written over 10 years ago, about 12 years ago now, and Dr. Shaw has really put into perspective what the issue is. So describing the epidemic, here's 
what Dr. Shaw says. He says, there are signs that there's an epidemic in our culture among our young people. Far too many kids today are sullen, unfriendly, distant, preoccupied, and even unpleasant. They whine, they nag, they throw tantrums, and demand constant attention from their parents who are spread too thin to spend enough time with them. Feeling guilty and anxious, the parents in turn soothe their kids with unhealthy unhealthy snacks, faddish clothing, toys, and media. And even today's teachers, they describe today's children as much less educable and complain that managing their behavior takes up more and more time, leaving less time for education. That's not a surprise to me. And I know, Dave, you've spent a lot of time educating and in school settings. I mean, kids today, this isn't really a surprise. This isn't anything new to you. No. You know what? The title of the book, it gives you the answer. What's the title? The Epidemic. Okay. There's an epidemic. And, and what's the byline? It's raising secure, loving, happy, and responsible children in an era of absentee and permissive parenting. You cannot raise children like that in an era of absentee and permissive parenting. So there's the answer. The bottom line really is there is no way to influence the next generation if you're not there. There is no way to influence the next generation if you don't care. Yeah. So if you're not there and you don't care, what are you going to do? You got to be there and you got to care. And they happen to rhyme. So you could put words in your house like, I got to be there and I got to care. Because yeah. those are two things. For your children, both of you guys, and I'm looking right here at Jason. Jason, for your children, and you've got one coming on the way. I do. You need to be there and you need to care. Yeah. The minute you stop doing one of those two. Now, some people say, well, then I, I shouldn't work or anything else. <laughs> That's not what's taught. While you're there, you need to take your child and teach them how to work. I mean, take them with you. You need to be there, and you need to care. And what's happening is I think we've shoveled off our children to these institutions to try and teach them what we ought to be teaching them because we're not there, and we don't care. Mm. And someone might get real mad at me and say, how dare you say I don't care? You know, let me say this very lovingly. Actions speak louder than words. And you could say that you care about your children all you want and not be there. And I would challenge you on whether you care. And that's where you have to sit and start examining your heart. Because if you're not there, then you don't care. And you might say, well, I have to do this. I have to do that. Nobody's a victim in in our culture. We can figure out how we can be there and we can get the other jobs done that we need to get done. I mean, that's been an ongoing struggle for me personally through all the years and for everybody else. How do I get the lawn cut and still spend time with my children? I mean, I understand that. We need to have the priorities where they belong, and maybe your lawn doesn't need to look like it goes on Lawn Beautiful magazine. I mean, maybe you can just do something else like that. Does that make sense? Am I being too harsh? No, I don't think so. I mean, we look at the world today, and we wonder why there are headlines about kids that are doing things that are absolutely destructive. Young people, you know, when you talk about things that have happened in Boston the last five years, that's a couple of young guys who had a life ahead of them, and they decided to use it for destruction. There are things that happen every single day around our country, and we're thinking, why is this stuff happening? Why do we? Why are our kids basically self-destructing and destroying people along with it. We see headlines, we see stories, we see things about school shootings. Okay. There's a lot of hopeless situations that are going on that yeah. involve young people. Today. Let me ask you something on that. The television programs today, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have not watched them, but I, I've seen that, I've read about them. How many of them are about 
violence, like police, fire, that kind of thing? How many are about? There are a lot. Um, and I, I've heard the statistic that kids, by the time they graduate high school, I think that's the age range, they've witnessed over 10,000 deaths on television okay. or movies. How many of them are, are about some kind of sexual innuendo where the women are just used? A lot of them. Okay. Do I need to make a case for this? What are we seeing in our culture? Now, here's the argument. Does entertainment actually create this or does it reflect this? Yeah, that's the ongoing debate. We're all, we're all sinners, and I understand that. So if we want to start absorbing all of the bad stuff in the culture, then all we're doing is reinforcing it and fueling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, somebody comes to me and says, I, I struggle with pornography, and if I could just get rid of that, I wouldn't lust anymore. And I laugh at him and say, no, 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 no. It, it, you'll still lust. Right. It, pornography isn't lust. It's the fuel for your lust. Mm-hmm. And what Satan loves to do is, if you ever, ever had a fire, and all of us who are young men have, and you pour fuel on it, and you keep pouring fuel on it, keep pouring, man, you, pretty soon it is out of control. Yeah, and yeah. so somebody then comes and says, my life's out of control. And you look at him and go, cut the fuel. Right. How hard is this? Yeah, and, and it goes back to the whole simple cause and effect. You know, it's the, as a kid, you, you always hear the phrase garbage in, garbage out. You know, I think that's so true. Even as my son is, is growing older, he's at the point where he, he repeats everything that is said. You know, yep. and, he, and he doesn't necessarily understand it. And at that age, it's very apparent what they're doing. But as we get older... We think that we know everything already, so we don't think that that same effect happens. So we think that what we're viewing, what we're listening to, what we're spending time, mm-hmm. we think that, oh, it doesn't really matter because I can control that. But if, if it's overwhelming all this influence in a negative way, then all of a sudden that starts impacting us. So you've, you've heard people say, this doesn't affect me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was my response. You know, it was like, okay. Yeah. Then you're the only one in history that the inputs don't affect. Hmm. Yeah. Because they do. I, mm-hmm. I mean, ask any teacher, ask any psychologist, ask anyone in history. When you are surrounded by mud, you get dirty. Yeah. I know that. So don't jump in a mud puddle if you don't want to be dirty. You know, and it's even it's even biblical. You know, I mean, you, you hear, you know, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. You know, that's talking about the words that we use. Right. You know, if I were to listen to stuff and watch stuff that has tons of vulgar language in it, you know, I might exactly. not speak it all the time, but I guarantee you that I'm going to start using it inside my head. Right? Oh, and, and everyone's had that. And everybody Everyone. has that. Yeah. You know, and just because we don't always verbalize something doesn't mean that it's not influencing us. Right. I mean, I've been around guys where all of a sudden in a, in a bad situation, they let out some words and sentences that I'm looking at them going, no kidding. And they go, oh, yeah, I don't normally speak like that. And I think that exact verse. I mean, out of the abundance of the heart, the words, I mean, that's it. Yeah. And, and what we don't want to do is grab the problem and say, there is a problem. Yeah. I am the problem. I need to fix something. It's easier for me to blame the schools and, and the universities and the churches and the system, I need to say I am the problem. I need to I need to live in a way where you two young dads, where Jeff and Jason, I need to live in a way that you see and have hope for your life. Yeah, not just tell you how to do it. I need to live in a way, 
And with that, then the words actually have some meaning and, and they're secondary to the life. Absolutely. And, and just a quick thought too is because I think the way that we're designed too, I mean, we talked about following and leading, you know, and I think the best leader is a follower. I mean, I, I even look at my son now and he says things like, you know, I want to be strong like daddy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just a simple thing, yeah. but we, I don't think we ever lose that desire to follow somebody. Nope. And, and I think that influences us even as parents. And, and Satan would, uses that. Absolutely. Satan, Satan knows this. Yeah. And so look at how many hours of influence people have in some other direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are signs today that our society has become toxic to children. We're going to talk more about some ideas and thoughts from this book, The Epidemic. Check out tonight's show notes at HopeNet360.com. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Join us on a tweet back tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTV. Jeff, DW, Jason, your host tonight here on the show. Guys, this is a heavy conversation. A lot of things in our culture today point to an ongoing epidemic among young people. And one of the things that Dr. Shaw talks about in his book is that this society that we live in and as parents, anybody who has kids, we've known this for years, but our society has created such that there's a system that breeds dysfunction and it's becoming incredibly toxic to our kids. And uh, this doctor, Dr. Shaw, says he's seen it all over the years. It's become clear that we as parents have gradually adopted attitudes and practices that constitute a prescription for disaster and that as parents... A lot of times we've forgotten what children actually require in order to grow into happy, responsible adults. Now, I don't know if this guy is a Christian doctor. I don't know what his perspective is from a faith aspect. He's just talking from his own experience. He's worked with many, many, probably thousands of families, thousands of issues um, that have arisen in family life. And a lot of them are focusing on some of these real simple, basic things in our home lives and in our families. And uh, not only that, but even our culture today no longer offers what kids truly need to thrive. Some of the toxic elements that we're seeing in our culture, the pressures that it puts on parents, the absence of relaxed family time, uh, you have outright abandonment of traditional values of honesty and of effort, the devastating, we talked about this, the devastating impact of media saturation and the consumerism that pushes constantly to undermine contentment and increase our urge to acquire. These are some of the things in our society that are being pushed on our families that we're constantly wrestling with. Not even the fact that we don't have as much time as maybe we used to as families to connect and to bond with each other. But some of these things are setting up our kids. And I think we're in a generation now of past kids that are now adults that are raising our own families. And we're seeing some of those same problems just further going on down the road. It's kind of like we're kicking this can further down the road, hoping that eventually it sorts itself out. But I'm not sure that's really going to happen on its own, Dave. No, let me ask you two guys something. You're, you're both parents of young children. Um, when your children are born, are they self-centered? I think somewhat. I think they are completely. They have a lot of needs and they can't care for themselves. So Yeah, and yeah. they just scream when they want something. I mean, that kind of thing. Now, yep. your part of your goal and your role as a parent is to get them to where they're not self-centered, correct? Yeah. How are you going to do that? That's the question. Hmm. Because what we're describing here is a permissive group of people 
who have made the world revolve around their children. And since the world revolves around them, and not, not relationally though, they make the world revolve around them like, if you go to sports, you need to, you know, they're kicking parents out because, you know, my, my, you're not making my child a star. There's whatever my kids want, they get whatever. I mean, we're letting the world revolve around them. And, and, and when, then when they get older, we're saying, why are you so self-centered? Mm-hmm. Well, because the whole world revolved around you. The whole world actually revolves around the sun. You're shocked when you realize that the world revolves around God. And, and you thought, and, and again, that's the replacement of God. You, you thought the world revolved around you. So one of the roles that you have as dads is to train your children to be selfless, not self-centered. And I think most of us don't see that. Hmm. It, we think that always giving in and always pampering and always doing is what's helping them. Yeah. When, when it's not, it's making them self-centered. And, and we have no way to get out of it once they get 18. I mean, I've had mothers come to me and talk to me about, you know, you need to make accommodation for this for my child. And I said, no, I don't. Oh, yes, you do. Everyone else is, well, everyone else is wrong. I, I, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you know, it's like, what are you doing? You need to teach your own child and you need to tell them this isn't how the real world is. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many businessmen will, will talk to me and say, this kid needs to learn what the real world's about. I don't, I'm not his mother. I mean, you hear that. It's like, what are they saying when I'm, I'm not his mother? I, I'm not here to give them permission to do everything in life and, and take care of all their needs. And, and may, I, that's not what the work world is about. Mm-hmm. And they're not prepared for it. So the idea is simple. If we actually want our children to grow and we want them one day to be caring about other people, what do you do as they're growing up to help them get there? And how do you encourage and and allow them to be who they are and 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 affirm them while still teaching them to die to themselves in a in a culture that is even in a christian culture that has turned into all about me yeah yeah well here's one of the risky things that you have to do as a parent and as you look at the headlines some parents and i would have to say i would kind of be included in this is when you look at the news headlines and you see kids uh, behaving irregularly or in a way that's not normal um, you begin to think okay uh, i gotta close my doors i gotta keep my kids in this bubble i gotta shelter them i've got to protect them and that's one of those things that can become a little bit detrimental i would think to development and trying to understand because really what we're trying to do is help kids understand what it means to be empathetic of other people so you have to actually be willing at some point to put your kids into maybe a situation that should be uncomfortable because it's not now normal or maybe their family does things a little bit different than you do um so family dynamics are a little different so but it's just allowing your kids to be engaged with other kids their age as well you need to have that Um, but i I think the difficulty here is that there are a lot of parents that just kind of let kids do whatever and don't provide the structure they need don't provide the environment for them to to be supported so what ends up happening is the kids that are influencing them they take on behaviors and habits because they just think that's normal. And so that's the ongoing conflict that I think if you're a godly parent, you're really looking at, okay, what do I do from my perspective to help raise up my kids um, and to not put them in unnecessary risky situations, but yet give them enough enough room to where they can make mistakes and learn from them. That's the hard balance of being a parent that isn't really that clear cut. You know, 
bigotry is actually caused by self-centeredness. And and what's interesting is so many times young people don't get it. The differences actually are good. The Bible teaches us that if you're a believer, you're part of the body of Christ. So you're an elbow, you're a knee, you're, yeah. you're different. Yep. Differences are good. That's fine. I don't care what color you are, black, white, yellow, it doesn't matter. The differences are good. But what happens is we can't draw the line. So we think that people start believing that all differences are good. So, so me living in sin is good. No. Mm. No. It, differences are good. Uniquenesses are good. Mm-hmm. Sin is always bad. I don't care what color it is. I don't care, you know, I don't, whatever it is. Policemen that shoot innocent people, they're, that's not right, no matter what color they are. Mm-hmm. And black lives do matter, yep. but so do white and, and Asian, and they all matter. Mm-hmm. Differences. If I'm going to teach my child something like, okay, this person is different than us, so they're, stay away from them. They're bad. They're, differences aren't bad. Mm-hmm. What's bad is when we start making sin acceptable, no matter where it mm-hmm. is and no matter how it looks. And that's what we have to teach. We need to be able to go talk to people who are different than us, include them in our lives, be a part of their lives. Right. Without accepting sin. Right. And that's exactly what Jesus did. You know, he got ridiculed because he hung out with sinners, you know, and what they were criticizing for is you, you can't do that. But what did he do? He loved them. He understood that they were different. He didn't accept their sin, but he still loved them. And he gave people something to follow. Exactly. Because he was living among the sin without sinning. Yeah. So he gave them the model. And that's what we're not doing. We're living among sinners and sinning. Yeah. Parenting today is probably the most difficult it's been for a while. And I would have to say it's a challenge. Every parent out there is like, yeah, there's a lot that you can't control as a parent. I think that's the main, the main cause of it. But there are some things that we can control and much of it comes back to our attitude. It comes back to our own decisions that we get to make that will either create an environment that is healthy for kids to be raised in or it'll be unhealthy. And so we want to continue this genuine conversation because it is important to have what kind of environment am I allowing my kids to be raised in? What kind of home am I creating? Am I fostering dysfunction of their life or am I actually instilling value and purpose and helping develop their empathy, their moral commitment, and just the basic ability to love people as they are in a society that continues to be dysfunctional and perpetuate myths and half-truths and things that just do not support the adequate development of our children. So we're going to talk about this in the second half of the show. Join us for it. Be a part of the conversation on our tweet back. Use the hashtag HNRTB. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show, the second half of Hope Net Radio. Jeff, DW, hanging out with you tonight here on the show. Jason's in the studio with us. And if you miss any part of this conversation, do subscribe to the Hope Net Radio podcast. You can do it on your favorite podcasting app. Check out HopeNet360.com slash podcast, and you can find all of our past episodes there on our website. So glad you joined us for this conversation tonight. It's a big one. We're talking about what life would be like 
if we actually would raise up kids in the way they should go and talking about a culture that is breeding what I think is the grounds for not only disaster, but we're in the midst of an epidemic among our young people. And some of the issues that we're facing, we see not only things like teen suicide or self-injury, self-harm, but we see a lot of depression. We see a lot of what I would say are effects of some greater cause. And tonight we're taking a hard look, even at our own lives, our own family life, what it looks like at home and what we're actually doing to raise up our kids today. Because as this book points out, we are looking at a book. We're going to take a few weeks here and break down this series on the epidemic. And this book by Robert Shaw is uh, fantastic. He's a doctor based out of California or was a doctor. And this book was written over 10 years ago. And it's pointing out what this epidemic really is going on, what's happening in the lives of our kids, how we're raising sullen, unfriendly, distant, preoccupied, and even unpleasant kids that grow up and they become, guess what? Bear fans? Adults and parents and bear fans and teachers. Ouch. <laughs> and and this is the generation that we're raising up and this is what they're becoming because of some of the ways that we're approaching even our own parenting styles. So I hope tonight this isn't a stepping on toes conversation because it always, I know for me guys, as a dad, as a parent, as a husband even, I have to actually consider every single day what action, what decision I make, what where I spend my time and invest that, what that is doing in the context of my family. And uh, that's something that is hard to look at sometimes because the pressures today, the pressures of having the the stuff that we have, you know, owning a house or paying the bills, you know, the stuff that needs to be done as a responsible parent or as a responsible adult, you, you have these different tensions and you have a relationship. You've got a wife who needs to go on date nights and need to have that time alone, the time of intimacy that doesn't always happen because life just gets in the way. Our kids are not acting right. They're not acting well. And so I get discouraged. There's a situation in my life. So there's, it involves families. It's affecting our families. Our families today are not only dysfunctional, but they're not really sure what their identity is, what it's supposed to even be like. Even as Christians, there are so many Christian parents today that are just, they're trying to figure out, okay, what does this mean to be a godly parent? Okay, what does this mean to raise up my kids as godly kids? I don't want to stifle their growth. I don't want to be, I don't want to be too strict. I mean, maybe I was raised in a strict household or I was raised in, in a home where I didn't have a lot of privileges and I have a lot of stuff. So I want to create a family or a structure that's different, that's better than what I grew up in. And uh, sometimes you just don't know what that looks like necessarily. And so I think this book is shedding some light on what it's looking like today and what a lot of parents are just not quite understanding quite well in raising up their kids today and providing that, that environment for them. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you guys a question. Jason, when you grew up, if you were thinking about something, you saw something at school, you saw something and it didn't fit what your family believed, etc. Did you run home and talk about it? When I was probably in elementary school, I did. But not in junior high, high school? Uh, a little bit, but not as much, just right. because I was able to start... You start guarding it a little guard, bit, yeah. wondering, how about you, Jeff? Did you, you saw something that didn't fit? Did you run home and say, man, this doesn't fit, Dad, Mom, tell me about it, and let's talk about it? For some of them, I mean, there were the obvious ones, and this might have come into play more as a kid in fifth, sixth, seventh grade, when you kind of start, your brain starts to change and you start to, you know, formulate your own ideas, but evolution, you know, when you started to get into some evolutionary things, you know, you'd hear these things like the earth is millions of years old, and then you'd have people that were a little bit more influential in your life, and they would say, well, 
is the world yep. a million years old? I mean, this is yeah. kind of so some of those hot button things that tend to be ingrained into it yeah. at a young age. Yeah, I, I think what, what we have to do is set an atmosphere for young people to be confused and be willing to talk to us about it. You know what I mean? They see things that they don't understand, and, and we need to be able to, you know, have a normal conversation on anything confuse you today about life. I mean, you see anything that confuses you today? Hmm. You know, and just talk to them about it. Because here's what happens. Um, do you know, Jeff, the statistic, and I, I knew it one time, but when do children start looking at pornography generally? I mean, I, I mean, in general, do you know? Well, I think today the average age is about 11 years old. I think that's the accurate. I think it's about And, and most of the time they just are curious, right? They they hit something or they come across it and, you know, they might type it in just to wonder, right? Yeah, it's curiosity. See, now we like need that. to get that curiosity over to mom and dad and not to the computer. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. It's in an atmosphere so yeah. that some kid hits something and they see these. I mean, a young child sees these people on the screen doing something. They go, whoa, whoa. Wouldn't it be great if they had the atmosphere to say, Dad, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. N- now you can talk to them yeah. uh, about it. If they quick hit the delete button. Right. And then they go, well, Mom and Dad aren't around, man. Mm-hmm. I got to go back there. I want to know what they're doing. Yeah. No, 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 no. Set the atmosphere for the conversation. Yeah. So that anything that happens, they can come to you and say, hey, what are they doing? This is really something. I mean, and, yeah. and you not like fall over, you know, when you see it. But to actually sit there and go, yeah, and then hit the button and put it down. I, I mean, and let me talk to you about this, yeah. you know, kind of thing. That would be so different yeah. than what's going on. And how many kids wouldn't be trapped later? Because what happens first to a lot of people, I don't care who they are, is Satan loves blurring the lines, blurring things, confusing people. Mm-hmm. He loves that. So what we do on the opposite side is work at keeping the lines clear, simplifying things, and making sure that communication stays open. And you guys have young kids growing up now, so your children one day will start, they probably already have, you know, I'm fascinated by this computer thing or iPad thing or whatever else it might be. Okay, now what you need to almost do, I think, and when they're young in our stage is let them browse with you sitting next to them. Mm-hmm. And when they hit something that they shouldn't be at, start talking to them about it. You know what yeah. I mean? So that the confusion isn't there and the the questioning. It is normal for a child to wonder, to question, yeah. to look at something and go, what? I need to look at that some more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, that's normal. So what we as parents need to do is realize that that is normal. Yeah. And that we need to talk to them about it to make it, to take away the, the uh, secretive life thing. and uh, that, that makes sense? Absolutely. And I think it, it goes back to the core of, of what we're trying to get at, and that's conversations. Yep. You know, I think as parents, that's so crucial to open up lines of conversation and have those teaching moments because as parents, what we're doing and what you're describing is helping them form their worldview. You know, so it's taking their belief system, which they're learning from, from who God is and the things that we're learning through scripture and trying to teach them as they're growing older and saying, all right, this is the, the belief and this is how it is, is applied to your life. Mm-hmm. And when you face something that's different from that belief system, Let's talk about right. it. And that, and that's what you're getting at. And, and that's what creates understanding because Jeff said, you know, we want to have control as parents. And that, and that's so true. But there's so many things that are outside of our control. Right. But we want to prep them for when they face those moments. And so they take what they already know and understand and apply it then to what they don't understand. Right. And you have more of that when they're younger. And as they grow older, you hope that they then, you know, still have those conversations, but then those conversations they're having in their own hand as they process these things that are different from the things that they know is within their belief system. Yeah. Absolutely. Here's, here's something though that 
I think we should probably unpack a little bit more as we continue the show is that kids can't really their their brains as they're younger even until they're 17 18 19 years old they're still trying to figure out the difference between fantasy and reality and young kids can't really determine this i mean i've got a a four-year-old at home that's now into the world of make-believe so he creates his own scenarios but in a way he's living out reality and, and as parents, we have to help our kids understand the difference between fantasy and reality. And what you said, Dave, having a conversation about that, sometimes kids don't really know how to ask that question or if they should even ask the question. A lot of what we experience, what we see on television or in media, I think kids, just because of the way that they're wired, because of the development that they're at within their brain, they're not able to distinguish that one of those things is fantasy and the other one's reality. They just don't know how to tell a difference. So I think as parents, it's just prompting us to be more proactive to actually talk about it and ask questions that kind of lead into, okay, is my kid dealing with a fantasy versus reality issue here? What's what's really the common thread that's going on in their mind? Because, you know, we don't know, we might understand the difference between it, but they just might not quite understand that or, or know how to tell a difference there. So that's something that I think needs to be unpacked a little bit more tonight as we go on in the show. Chat with us right now. We are hanging out with you guys on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Jeff, DW, Jason with you tonight here on the show. Check out the show notes for tonight's episode at HopeNet360.com. Glad that you've joined us for this conversation. It's a difficult one. Guys, there's a lot of problems, a lot of things that are happening as a result, a lot of things that are going on that we're seeing in kids, and not just kids, but now we're in the next generation. We've got our kids who are having kids, and they're raising up their kids in homes that are just dysfunctional, that don't provide a safe place for kids to actually develop and formulate real solid bonds with their parents. These are things that are healthy. And looking at this book, The Epidemic, one of the things that Dr. Shaw writes about is that we actually know what's good for kids. We know that secure attachment to a primary caregiver is an important thing. We know that a safe, structured, and ordered environment is important. And to have lots of free time to exercise creativity and imagination is important. And guys, I know the struggle all too well. I'm working a job. My wife's working a part-time job. We've got two kids at home. How do we spend quality time with them? How do we pay the bills? How do we you know, do things that normal families want to do? Go out and do fun stuff, go to a park or some kind of a, a place to go into. And, and you, know, you need to have resources to do that. Sometimes that tension really that we face is if I'm going to spend time with my kids or if I'm going to make more money than to hopefully do something with my kids, that's a difficult balance for a lot of families. And one of the things that we just kind of touched on a little bit in part of our conversation was the fact that families today don't always eat meals together, even one meal a day. And I know we're supposed to have three square meals a day. The fact that the reality in our culture is such that we have parents that maybe work a couple different jobs, maybe work long hours, and I'm just as guilty of this. 
we're not sitting down and having even a family meal. So let alone dad actually sharing what he thinks about what he believes in, what, you know, things that he's maybe wrestling with. We don't even get that. But then even to have a time to sit down and have a, a family meal, there was this video done by Master Foods that it's an Australian company. You've probably seen that you guys are listening. It went viral uh, within a matter of hours, but it was just these interviews at first with these adults, two adults come in and the question is posed to them. Who would you rather have a meal with or what person, if you could have dinner with anybody, who would it be? And so they're listing off all these different celebrities. They're listing off, you know, different people, maybe musicians or just people that are, you know, presidential, whatever in history. And then they get a bunch of kids that come into the room and they share on camera and these parents are watching their responses. And you know what they say? Family, maybe mom and dad. And like, I mean, I can't even watch this video without tearing up at some point because it's so much, it's so tangible, the reality and the influence that parents will always have on their kids. And to think something as simple as having dinner together would impact them or that their kids would actually want, they would desire to have that kind of time with them. That's powerful to me. You know what, as, as you talk about that as a, a former school teacher and an educator myself, the thing that I've realized all through my educational life is if parents will spend time with children, children do better in school. Mm. It always happens. It's not about more money for the school. It's not about better computers. It's not about other things. It always comes back to that. And I've told parents that, and they just look at me like, no, that is the answer. It really is. Spend time with your children, whether it be around the dinner table, other times spend time with them. And and I'm not talking about sitting there and passively watching television together. That's not what I'm saying spend time with. Mm -hmm. I'm saying interact with them. Yep. And it's important that I think parents understand that and grab that, and that will make a difference in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important, and, and and that's what we're losing out on today, you know. And and that's what I I love being able to go home, and and that's the first thing we do is because the time I get home, it's dinner time. We sit down and we just hang out. And my son is young, where he doesn't necessarily, you know, get that yet. But right. I think you know, my hope is is that you know he grows up doing that. I, I, even thinking my own life, like I think it back, and it was the same thing. Like I love sitting around. And, and just enjoying that time together as a family because especially nowadays I feel like life is just so busy. Right. And sometimes, you know, as, as young people get older, you know, they're involved in sports, this, that, and the other. And I think there's there's things that you need to protect. And uh, I think there's just so much influence. In and that. as we were at camp together, we used to do that. I oh, mean, yeah. that's what, if you look back at the years of people coming up to camp and the friendships they made, relationships, a lot of it was around the table. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were working different areas during the day. And then they would gather at a meal, and that's where you'd have these conversations and get to know people, and 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 it would be a you know a time for that. And then go. In fact, as my kids grew older, and yours aren't yet, that's what we had to fight because they wanted to come over here and sit with people yeah. around a table, you know. And and we let them, but we also then set up a night, a couple nights. We said, no, these are nights you have to be home. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. so that we can continue to be a family. But you'll see as they get older, that relational tug and that conversation will be uh, always around. Yeah. And to abandon that when they're young and not and not have a time where you intentionally sit down and talk about life. I, I was saying in the break, you know, I, I'm a son of a pastor, so I was fortunate. I got to hear how my dad thought about almost everything. I got to hear him say things about culture and life and Bible and God and even family. I got to hear him say it Yeah, where mm-hmm. most people don't. And I think, you know, he might not have said it always around the dinner table because he didn't have to. He'd be repeating his messages. But yeah. in the same respect, 
I was fortunate to hear that in that arena. And I would suggest that dads need to talk about their lives, what they're thinking. They need to talk about what's normal and right and good and bad and ugly. They need to do it respectfully and teach their Mm -hmm. children how to do it respectfully. And kids need to have the confusion wiped away that they live in by a dad and a mom who actually are not confused about what's actually going on. And that's interesting. When we talk about kids not really knowing the difference between fantasy and reality, adults, parents, we get to shape that. And I think that's where it's important for us to be grounded in what reality is. And we always come back on this show to understanding really who God is, because when we do that, we have a clear picture of reality. It's when we get our mind focused on the things of this world and ourselves that we get wrapped up in the just the feeling of loss and not really sure what reality really is. And because we can't we can't identify truth from ourselves. We can look to others, but even looking to other people will not help us identify what what truth is, because truth crosses every single continent. It crosses every kind of people group. So it's not that there's individual or maybe regional truths that exist. No, there's reality and then there's fantasy. And that's where it's really important. I I posed a question on our Facebook page a couple of days ago and just wanted to get a response from some dads out there. And I asked a simple question, what are some ways or things that you do to build relationships with your children? The issue is there's an epidemic going on in our young people, but Here's one way that we can do that. We can bridge some gaps. We can bridge relationships, help the bonding. And I got some dads to respond to this, and it was kind of a neat thread. Uh, you can check it out on, under our show notes tonight, the link there. Uh, Jason chimed in, and he says he takes his kids on long nature walks. It's amazing the things they share with you when it's just the two of you walking and talking. Spending actual time doing things they enjoy is a great way to build relationships. Trips to the store, letting them look around the toy aisle, walks, letting them do yard work, turning everything off and playing a board game or reading a book. I found it's the same. It's the things you do with them that cost no money, just time that they seem to remember and care about the most. Uh, Jason, I, I know you got a great perspective on that. Rob chimed in projects around the house, projects under the hood of my car or bike. I also involved them in volunteer things like a soup kitchen, a real missions trip where they see me serving and helping them too. So just stuff that's hands on, not talk, but real action, I think is important. Rob, I definitely would agree with you. Mike chimed in, including them in your interests and your passions, taking a genuine interest in theirs. That can be hard to do because I have passions, but I also, I, I want to be sensitive to not living my dreams through my kids a little bit. That's kind of a tendency that ends up happening, especially the older your kids get. Uh, children's don't have the maturity to understand the nuances of adult relationships, but they do understand enthusiasm and sincerity. And if you connect with them enthusiastically and sincerely, you'll build lasting bonds with them. Mike, I definitely agree with you. Uh, Sam says he's not a father yet, but maybe one day after he gets married, uh, his dad was always available and took him on numerous foreign missions trips. And he coached his little league baseball team, read the Bible every day since he got saved in his 20s. He's now 65, loves God even more. And Sam says, my dad is my best friend and has been a great example of what Christ follower looks like. So a lot of great responses. Check out the show notes to see some other responses from people of what they do. I'd also love to hear from you guys on the tweet back what kinds of things that you do to build relationships with your kids. And no matter their age, I mean, you can build relationships infant all the way to an adult. It doesn't end when they graduate high school or they move out of the house. Relationships may take different forms, but the reality is, and maybe it's just my hope, my hope for you is that you would have kids. And if you're a child of a parent, that you would have a great relationship 
relationship even into your adult years and not one that's alienated that's detached that's you know just lost in life feeling like there's no relationship there and if you're in need of some restoration in family life tonight there's some big wounds that can happen among families and especially when we talk about stuff like this if any of this is is just bringing up some wounds some things in your mind or your heart tonight go and chat with one of our live coaches this conversation will wrap up here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Chat with a live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Also, if you're an adult out there and you've been thinking about maybe being someone who could just be someone available to talk to about life, about some of these issues, and maybe becoming one of our live coaches. You can check out details on what it takes to become a live coach at HopeNet360.com. We're always looking for more people to add to these lines. There's no limit to the amount of coaches that can be online. And, of course, we all know the need is always great. And a lot of times having enough people, having the right people, isn't always the easiest thing. So if you want to learn more about becoming a live coach on our crisis chat line, check out Hope at 360.com slash coach. Jeff, DW, Jason with you tonight, wrapping up this conversation. This is the first part in a multi-part series called The Epidemic. And so this is a, it's a big issue. Dr. Robert Shaw has really started to unpack some of the issues that have kind of stemmed. And we've seen headlines, we've seen things around our communities that just leave us scratching our head like why, how, what in the world is going on with our young people today? And a lot of it, we have to take back. We have to look at what is my family life? What am I even as a dad? I think I want to think that I'm a good dad. Many of us who are dads or parents out there, moms included, we like to think, well, I'm a good mom. I'm a good dad. You know, I'm a good parent. Sometimes we have to actually work at defining what that really is. Here's what we know is good for kids and what Dr. Robert Shaw talks about is that you need to have, your kids need to have a secure attachment to a primary caregiver. That's an important thing. Mom, dad, you've got to be involved. You've got to be a part. You've got to be the primary caregiver, not the secondary caregiver, but the primary caregiver. You need to have a safe, structured, and ordered environment. This is important. This is why we talk about getting over things like addictions, like hangups, like you know, getting away from the screens and being, you know, invested in a schedule, having, you know, a time set up. Maybe there are different facets of your day, but stick to a schedule routine. Having that structure is important for kids. Give them lots of free time, not to just do mindless things, but to exercise their creativity and their imagination. Because in doing so, you will help them to build the essential values like empathy, like effort, duty, and honor. And also, you're going to help form their moral center, which is a huge part of a child's development and what you hope to have when they become adults is to have a center, have at least they're grounded in principle and they know their value. They know their own values that they carry with them so they can make wise decisions later on in life. It will help them pick appropriate friends. It will also help them to view others in a way that's empathetic and not apathetic. One of the things that we notice about our generation is it's really easy and a lot of young people are apathetic about a lot of things and especially things that are supposed to be important apathetic about their job apathetic about the people that are around them apathetic about school uh the list goes on and on even apathetic about our own families 
And that's a, a mad convicting thing for me too. I really want to have my kids love their family uh, because ultimately I love my family, but I can't lo- I can't make my kids love me. And that's the thing about love, guys, is we can't control people's response. We can't make somebody love us. That's the thing about even with marriage or marriage relationship. I can't make my spouse love me. Love is something that I can give to somebody else. I have to choose who I love and who I show love to. And love is always, it's a choice and it's always a verb. And I want to know some of your final thoughts and and kind of our conversation tonight in light of all these things. You know, you said uh, two words there, essential values. And, And really, in a culture that keeps trying to minimize any standardization at all, we're in trouble. And what parents need to do is is clearly communicate the essential values to their children, what they have. Not to condemn everybody else for how they live, but to say, here's why we live like we do. Here's why we believe like we believe. Here's why. And that's what we're missing a lot, because what a child is doing is hearing all that's on Facebook and all that's at school and all that's on the news and all that's in movies and all that's on television and, and all of that. So they're, they're hearing all of that and they begin to wonder and they begin to be confused and oftentimes we're not picking up on the confusion or the wonder and we need to set the atmosphere so that we can pick up on it and we can respond to it. And when we do that, we have opened the lines of communication. I think we're headed towards a better relationship then. And, and the other thing is, if, if we really don't like what we see in culture or the way things are going, we have to remember that it's that way because they're following somebody. So, so I need to be responsible to live in the manner that I expect uh, my children to live and in the manner I expect my culture to live. I think we need to remember how much family matters. And, and just to live our lives as parents in a way that we're modeling for our children what we want them to pick up on. And so that's where, you know, we, we talked about it in this episode a little bit where we just need to have those conversations, even if it's between, you know, me and my wife or me and, and Dave, you know, it's great to have, you know, like I'm excited for having my son around. Uh, as he grows older because he'll be able to see me and the way that I interact with people and be able to learn. And not only that, then I could be intentional about having conversations with him and helping him, you know, meander the maze of what this world is because there's so much more confusion now uh, than there ever was and, uh, and help him and equip him with the tools necessary to help him figure that out you know I think I think parents mis- misunderstand that they probably are the the single most influential person in their children's lives and I think it's easy to forget that and so I think we need to take the time and invest into family because of, of how much importance that, that shines I mean I, I think about my childhood and, and the trips that we went on and the the time that we spent as a family and going camping and you know those are all memories i hold dearly and and you know because it was the time and the effort and and the relationships that i was able to to experience with my family and not only the experience but then even the the truth that my parents were able to 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 give me and that helped shape and frame you know my understanding of the world and even what it means to be a Jesus follower and I'm I'm so grateful for that because it's it's because of my parents and and even other people that they allowed to be part of my life that have made me who I am today 
And I think that's what we need to remember. All right. Check out tonight's show notes at HopeNet360.com. Tonight's episode is the first part of a new series called The Epidemic. And it's centered on a book by the same title, The Epidemic, by Dr. Robert Shaw. It is Raising Secure, Loving, Happy, and Responsible Children in an Era of Absence and Permissive Parenting. That link for the book, if you'd like to check it out for yourself, is in tonight's show notes on our website, HopeNet360.com. We hope this show tonight encourages you to have meaningful conversations and maybe ones that you aren't used to having with your family. But we think it's important to exercise these kinds of conversations. Have real life conversations. Talk about family. Talk about some of the time struggle. Talk about some of the tension things that you don't like to talk about because they're uncomfortable because you feel like you're going to offend one of them because you bring up that topic. And maybe it is a hot button thing. Maybe you have discussed it at length with your family and you've just realized, you know what? There's just a tension here. We're not going to solve it. So let's sweep it under the rug. Talk about it. Have real meaningful discussion tonight after the show. You can check out the podcast for yourself if you want to listen back to it or share the show with your friends on our website, hopenet360.com slash podcast. You can subscribe there. You can catch every single episode that we have ever done on the show there. We hope you subscribe. We hope you would leave a review on whatever platform you listen on. And for all of us here on the show, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you guys online and next week. Bye-bye. Later. We'll be right back.